0: This is a good one. This is a fun one. This is episode 598. Of Duke Basketball Roundup. We are coming to you just a couple of hours after Duke went down to Coral Gables and in the Wine Bowl, Wine wins, Duke wins, 84 <laughs> to 55. So I love wait, I love this. that we call this the Wine Bowl. This I should always be the bowl. Wine Bowl. I don't not always. We don't we don't I I don't like I love when these games are over. Uh as you know. So, uh I am Donald Wine. I'm your host for this episode. Jason Evans is here. So we're recording a little bit later uh, after the game because uh, Jason had to go see see some movies uh, while he's a busy man this time of year because he has the film festival down there in Atlanta that he's uh, one of the chairs of. uh, Right, right, Jason? Yeah, I'm on the board of the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival. I'm I'm on the board of directors
1: and I'm co-chair of the film selection committee. So yeah, I'm I'm in like a two-week period where literally every night I'm seeing movies and trying to work in time for Duke games and podcasts in the meantime. And I'm still working. I don't get paid for any of these things. So,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm still working here too. Jason, I I will ask quickly before we get to the headlines, which was funner to watch, the movie that you watched tonight or this game? Look, I watched an excellent movie tonight. They're all really good. (laughs) <laughs> this game was way more fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Let's get right into it. We'll start with the headlines. and The headlines are still rolling in. As, as I mentioned, we're only recording a couple hours after the game. So uh, apologies to all of you who will send your headlines in and then realize that we had already recorded this episode, but we got some good ones already in Ken Swanner. Of course, he writes in all the time. Uh, Ken Swanner says Duke blows through Miami. I think that was pretty easy. Um, there was also John Grant, who who sent in two uh, that I liked. He wrote Miami vice Duke's dominant D rocks you like a hurricane. Well, oh, I love dude. That dude, is love it. You don't have anyone. To tell- See, I haven't looked at the headlines. I was behind because I was watching a movie. Uh huh. You cannot have a better one than that. No, that was, that was my favorite one. Um, <laughs> Especially borrowing from the fact, you know, how our, you know, main song, one of our main songs is devil with a blue dress. Cause of course for the blue devils, one of Miami's songs that they pr- prefer is rock you like a hurricane for obvious reasons. So, Using that in the title, special John, special John. Oh, no, was, but, but what I loved is the Miami vice, because I think yes. the story of this game was the effort in the defense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, John Grantlin also had another one that that played on the U, said you can't spell Duke without a little U. That's very true. Uh, we we all can spell here on the Duke basketball roundup. Chris Bynum, uh, he wrote a McCain murder dunk makes Miami miserable as Blue Devils rolled the dominant win. We will talk about McCain's murder dunk a little bit later. Dave Jordan writes in and interesting, J- uh, Jason, um, you know, they they were wearing the new uh, Miami was wearing the new fear of God uh, jerseys that they debuted uh, or at least over the weekend and played tonight in them. So Dave Jordan wrote in Duke wears home jerseys, then plays like it versus Canes and Coral Gables. Yeah, it was a home game for Duke. That's how they played. It was very good. And then finally, Abby Reeves, Abby Reeves wrote Canes downgraded to a tropical storm as Duke gets big team win on the road. And Jason, we lead into the good with we, we're we going to talk all day about the good because it was such a fun game to watch. But again, I, I talked I, I gave you some stats in the preview episode about how very rare it is for us to go down and beat Florida State on the road and beat Miami on the road. We had not done that in 20 years. We, we finished that off tonight. Start with where you want to go, because there's a lot to talk about in the good. Where do you want to go? Yeah. So as I said, I want to talk
1: about the effort. But before I get to that, I just want to really quickly, you mentioned stats, Donald. I, I want to explain to everybody, as a result of this game, Duke is now up to number eight in Ken Pomeroy's advanced metrics. Duke was number 12 before this game. That's lifted us from 12 to number eight. Our defense, by the way, Donald, we've talked all year that this team has been struggling on defense. Our defense is now number 22 in the country. We're getting up into that range. where it, Look, it is not realistic. If you're not a top 30 defense I don't think it's realistic for you to think that you can win the national title. I'm not even sure that you can really win it unless you get your way into being a top 20 defense. Well, Duke is getting darn close at this point. Duke, by the way, is now tied for the lead in the ACC standings. Um, it is the first time all year that Duke has been tied for the lead or in the lead in the ACC. Well, I mean, other than when everybody was zero and zero. <laughs> and it's worth noting, five games ago, was actually six games ago, Duke played North Carolina. And it was a disappointing game, and uh, you know we did not come out on top. Since that game, Duke is not only five and zero, but according to Bart Torvik, Duke is the number three team in all of college basketball since the Carolina game. Houston, Arizona, then Duke. That is how Bart Torvik's rankings go over the span of time since the Carolina game. All right, so let me get to the complete effort. Donald, with five minutes left in this contest, it was about a twenty-five point game, and Duke had a possession where they played phenomenal phenomenal help defense. They were hedging and recovering. They were keeping Miami out of the lane. The Miami guards kept on trying to get into the lane and you saw mm-hmm. the Duke guards who were guarding them stay in their way. They were getting help from the big men who then recovered. Man, it was it was beautiful to watch. It was really beautiful to watch. It was I liked it so much. I watched that possession and I backed it up on my DVR to watch it again. And by the way, that possession ended with Bensley Joseph draining a three-pointer as the shot clock almost expired. It was one of the best defensive possessions I've seen from Duke all year, and it ends with Bensley Joseph hitting a three. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That was an incredible possession. So Duke then goes down to the other end of the floor. Tyrese Proctor misses a three, and Jared McCain makes like a, a crazy rebound, saves the ball inbounds to Flip, who hits Proctor driving for a layup as Miami scrambles. Donald, the game was over at that point. Again, five minutes left. Duke's leading by 25. They were working so damn hard at both ends of the floor. It was, and and by the way, they were working like a team. This was a clinic in team play. And then a few minutes later, the final play, the final series, or two series really, where the starters are in the game, where Mark Mitchell getting a steal in the open court and a slam, and then Miami comes down and Mark Mitchell stays on his man and blocks a three-pointer out of bounds. Duke's up 30 points. It was the effort that this team put in from the opening tap until the moment the bell sounded was unbelievable. I, I am going to tell you right now, every regular who played in this game, every single one of them had a good game and had a good game at both ends of the floor. Okay, right. Jalen, you know, Blake's wasn't really much of a factor on offense. But every every single one of those guys were working at both ends of the floor. They never let up. Duke's biggest lead in this game came with 47 seconds left in the go, left to go in the contest. Never let up the gas a single second. And my buddy, Chris Farrell, who's been on this podcast for us before, he said something to me. He sent me a text. He said, apparently, look, we only got two years. But in two years, apparently, John Shire's thing is to have his team peaking around mid-February and who knows where it goes from here. This mm-hmm. Duke team today, just like the Duke team of last year, is playing better today in mid February than they were two weeks ago, four weeks ago, and throughout the rest of the season. I uh, I'm gonna stop there. I'll let you get in a little bit.
0: Yeah, let me let me get in Go on this. It. Let me get in on this energy and, and the effort part of things because I totally agree with you. I think this was overall our best game this season, and I don't think it was very close hundred percent. I, I completely agree. But I think the thing about the, the effort, right. There's like, there's a few things I want to mention as, as the game was closed out, you mentioned that like five minute mark, we were up like 26 or something like that. At that point, I believe Miami had like 47 points and I texted my best friend and I said, I just want us to hold them on, under 55. They ended right at 55 and that was a layup with like 20 seconds left to get them two fifty five points. So literally for the last four minutes, they held them to under seven points. If you look at the, you know, Ken Palm has the stats of like the, uh, they break it down into 10 minutes, that 10 minute mark from the 10 minute mark of the first half to halftime, Miami only scored nine points. We had, we scored 21. <laughs> like we, it wasn't yet. Yeah, sure. They were missing some shots and there were some that were rimming in and out, but it was a total effort defense. And Jason. Yeah, here's- uh,
1: so really quick. I, 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 I do think, and I apologize for jumping. In. I, I want you to keep going, yeah. but I think that we should acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is that Miami was missing two starters. It, it was clearly a diminished Miami team. This was sure. not yeah. like playing a, this wasn't like playing a, a really good ACC team, but it was still an ACC team. It was still a road game in, in conference play.
0: And, I, but, but I do think we should acknowledge Miami wasn't completely there. Well, I was going to mention that in a second, so I'll get to that in a second, but let me talk about the fact that you mentioned that North Carolina game since then, how well we've been playing. It was that North Carolina game that after the game, John Shire had the press conference where he said, I don't know why we're not showing effort, but we're going to fix it. We're going to get to you know practice on Monday, and we're going to work through it, and we're going to find out what's wrong and, and figure it out, right? Since then, we've rattled off, what, six, was it five games in a row now, six games in a row, and each game, five. I feel like our effort yeah. has been there, right? Here is the this is not the play of the game, Jason, but this is the effort play of the game. middle of the second half, there was a four, somehow the ball ended up it was a long rebound, I guess, and we were kind of all crashing the boards and there was it ended up being where Miami got the ball, and it was a four on none fast break and Ryan Young hustled back. And as they were passing it to the guy who was in front to try and get an open steal, Ryan Young gets his hand in the passing lane and knocked the ball out of bounds and saves the play for Duke, and Miami ends up not scoring in that possession. That is incredible effort. Talk about the defense, Jason. I know we're going to get to the offense. There's a lot on offense, but a defense. You mentioned some of the guys who were out. Yes, no Nigel Pack. Matthew Cleveland dressed, but he didn't play. Norsha Omir had nine points. He averages 17. He had 10 rebounds, but okay, he got his 10 rebounds. Keyshawn George, we talked about how dangerous a player he is, and we talked about how sometimes as a freshman he's streaky, he only had two points. Wooga Poplar and Bensley Joseph, yeah, they had 15 points each, but they were expected to kind of do that. They didn't shoot well at all. They shot 31% from the floor, 24% from three, and we had multiple shot clock violations. And I'm talking shot clock violations where it's not like they even tried to get a shot off. They, In their mind, like Miami was dribbling as if there was 10 seconds left When the clocks hit zero. So we had some really good defensive effort, effort overall, sure. Like we'll we'll talk about the offensive side, but I really want to credit John Shire and this coaching staff because hey, we went down to Florida State. Some would say, okay, why won't we just stay in the state of Florida, practice there a couple days and then go to Miami? No, we went back to Durham. We got Tyrese Proctor, who ended up playing this game. He didn't start, but he didn't but he ended up playing 25 minutes and I thought looked very good for having coming off a concussion flew back to Miami and absolutely dismantled that team in that gym with everyone where, you know, marveling the new jerseys that they were wearing, which they're probably going to have to burn. Like this was an absolutely (laughs) incredible effort from the Duke blue devils. Yeah. I want to do a little more on the defense.
1: Uh, So I noticed at the very start from the opening tap, at least the way Duke was beginning their defensive sets, was Mark Mitchell was guarding Norchad Omir, And we talked in the pregame about the concern that perhaps guarding Omir could be a tough assignment for Kyle Filipowski in terms of keeping him out of foul trouble. And so I really like that Shire... Shire's done this a few times this year. Dangerous big man, but not one who's sort of overwhelming with size in the post. I'll use Mark Mitchell, and I'll allow Kyle Filipowski to freelance a little bit more. Um, I thought that Duke in general on defense helped and recovered amazingly. And they did a really nice job of, like, shooting the gaps, uh, shooting the passing lane gaps. And mm-hmm. I don't mean they were shooting them trying to get steals. They were shooting them in there, preventing Miami from making, like, really crisp passes. And, you know, especially, like, when Miami was driving to the bucket, it, it, was, it was forcing Miami to sort of slow their offense down a little bit, and they just didn't. Miami never got a lot of good looks in this game. Look, it it helped that Omir had an off night. He did. I mean, look, when he missed that dunk with six minutes left, that's you know he's going to do that maybe twice all year. That's just unlike him. Um, But uh, it was still one of Duke's best offensive games, no question about it. I'm sorry, best defensive games.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think on the defense, you mentioned them getting the pass lanes. I mentioned the fact that Ryan Young had that play where he hustled all the way back to get in the pass lane. What it did was it messed up their timing right? There was a couple of couple of those passes, exactly what I'm talking would about, have yeah. ended up in like, hey, an open three pointer in rhythm, but no, it, it you know we we deflect the pass, it goes out of bounds. maybe they have to reset. We deflect the pass. it goes to them anyway, but because they are already in their shooting motion, they kind of have to either abandon it or they take a ridiculous shot that was never going in. Those are little things that again, hustle can get you to those places. And even the 50 50 balls, like you know, Miami won their fair share but we won some very crucial ones. And when we won, it felt like, as we lead to the offense, it felt like it led to a lot of points. But here's some other, just like, I think, hustle point uh, categories that we have. Fast break points, 12 to 4. We outscored them. Second chance points, 22 to 15. Points in the paint, 30 to 22. Rebounding, of course, that's a that's a hustle stat in itself, 42 to 31. And we had, on offense, we had 14 offensive rebounds, a 48% rate. That is incredible. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about
1: that rebounding. Um, you, you are correct. The the offensive rebounding rate for Duke was fabulous. We had six different guys grab offensive rebounds. Um, Mark Mitchell, Ryan Young, and Sean Stewart each had three. And I recall, like you said, we, we won the, the rebounding battle 41 to 32. You may recall a couple games ago, a couple podcasts ago, I should say, I said that the single stat, the one stat that correlates to a Duke victory more than any other statistic out there is winning the rebounding battle. I don't remember the exact number, but when Duke wins the rebounding battle, we're undefeated or something silly like that mm-hmm. on this season. Uh, it, it's it's to me that's just a big deal. and and while we're on this, I just want to very, very quickly note, um, you mentioned Ryan Young in that incredible play where he he hustled back on that four on zero. I want to talk about Ryan Young and Sean Stewart, who, like I said, each had three offensive rebounds in this game. Uh, Ryan Young is not playing as much as he did a year ago, but I feel like he is so cerebral and he plays so hard that he is setting a great example for every other guy in this team. Look, I don't know what Ryan wants to do with his career. We've talked up, talked a pretty good bit about the fact that this is the guy who aspires to interesting business kind of things in his life and, and has a variety of interests. He's getting his MBA right now, but man, if he wants to be a coach, I'm signing Ryan, Ryan young up yesterday to be a coach. You can just tell he's an outstanding teacher. I love that. He had that offensive rebound and kick out to foster for a three pointer with about eight minutes left in the first half. Um, You know, he just sets an example of how to play and how to play smart the whole time. And Ryan young, by the way, we're talking about rebounds, nine rebounds in 10 minutes, game high, nine rebounds in 10 minutes. That's absurd. And then Sean Stewart, by the way, had seven rebounds in just 11 minutes. With four minutes left in the first half, there was a moment where Sean Stewart switched onto Bensley Joseph, who is a lightning quick guard. And he had no trouble, no trouble staying in front of Bensley Joseph. Like, Joseph was like, there's nothing I can do with this. And it ended up turning into a jump ball that, that Duke got possession on. Um, uh, he's Sean Stewart is so close to being... Like this incredible force, I think for Duke. The truth is, it probably comes next year. I mean, look, he had that play where he he missed that he missed the lay. It wasn't wide open, but he missed a, a pretty easy layup, and and the you know, like the ball went out of bounds. You saw him like hitting himself on the head. Like God, how did I do? You know, mm-hmm. he's so close. Uh, it's when it happens for him, and it, it, it there's zero question in my mind that it will happen for Sean Stewart when it happens for him. It is going to be beautiful to watch.
0: Jason, I want to talk about before we kind of hone in on a bunch of players. Again, I thought this was a fun game to watch, mainly because our shooting was great. But I want to start with this. I told you that there's, you know, Florida State has a team that was really, really high in tempo. They had a lot of games where they had 80 or so possessions. This was the game that had the fewest possessions for Duke so far this season. We had 60 possessions. We were so efficient with that, like 52% from the floor, 45% from three. And at certain, I mean, that was that was garbage time when we were missing shots. We were really 50% or more the entire game for both just from the floor and from three-point land. Dude, we hit 60% of our two-pointers. Right. That's a big number. Super efficient. And let me start with – you mentioned Mark Mitchell. I'm going to start with Flip because I think we've given – I think we've given Flip a ride, you know, this year on a lot of the times where it doesn't feel like he's out there really competing – Man, the last few games, he's had a lot of fun. It shows. He was everywhere, right? 15 points, six rebounds, four assists, three blocks. He was everywhere tonight. It looked like he was having fun. He had that that sequence where he hit, came down and hit a fast break three, um, yeah. like a transition three. And then the very next time down, he did that reverse tomahawk dunk that might have been the play of the game in yeah, ninety nine percent of the games. <laughs> I was
1: sure that was gonna be play of the game, and
0: then Jared McCain happened. Did Jared McCain? Yeah, but like <laughs> we'll talk about Jared McCain a second. But I like flip. We we've talked about him in the in the negative for so many games this year because we expect this type of flip every single game. We got the flip that we expected. Right? We he didn't. He didn't necessarily need to score twenty five points and grab fifteen rebounds. He was able to affect the game in so many different ways. And again, as you mentioned, I thought he played super well on defense. The inside guys really did not have an answer for the way that him and Mark Mitchell and Ryan Young were kind of switching off on each other. And even sometimes with Jeremy Kane coming down there uh, on defense and playing some a little bit of post defense. But I think, you know, the Cal Filipowski we've seen this past week or so. I want that the rest of the season. I want it to keep getting better the rest of the season. This is what you talked about. We talked about what hasn't gone well for Duke. Wait, this is back in December when we were when we were in Atlanta at your house together. You mentioned that the sophomores have not yet trans like gotten better as sophomores. Well, Kyle Filipowski is starting to get better as a sophomore. And that is dangerous for the rest of college basketball.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And and while we're at it, let's talk a little bit about Tyrese Proctor, who's the other guy. I will openly say that I've been I've been pretty tough. On Flip and Proctor in, in my post-game comments here. I thought Tyrese Proctor looked more aggressive in this game than he has lately. He had several times where he got around his man and really attacked the bucket. We just haven't seen much of that from him this season. He made some really nice passes when he wasn't going up for shots, uh, you know. and it was unfortunate. There are a couple of them that I noticed that Duke didn't knock down where he got guys wide open shots and they missed mm-hmm. them. This is a game where we talked about Duke shot really well. And I loved our shot selection and the such, but you know, we could have done Tyrese a little bit of more of a favor, but he ends this game with five assists. Like I said, it could have easily been seven or eight. I think he also, had like, that he also was, had
0: like five or six, like hockey assists, right? Like the ones where he's yeah. not going to get credit yep. for. And a lot yep. of guys, I, th- I think everybody probably had five or six hockey assists in this team.
1: Yeah. But his five assists were the most he's had in seven games. And what we saw today, in my opinion, was one of the few times this year we've seen more than just a a fading glimpse of the February-March Tyrese Proctor that we had last season. Remember last year in February, and especially in March, he elevated in a big, big, big way. And when he plays like this, it takes this team up a notch in a pretty significant kind of way. And this all plays into one of the other things that I think was really significant in this game which Duke's shot selection. And Duke's moving the ball around, you know, I think you mentioned 19 assists, Yeah, 19 assists on 28 buckets, a 68% assist rate. And at one point it was
0: 15 wow. of 17, right? Yeah. It was like literally every, every single, I think the only plays to that point that weren't assisted were the yam by McCain and the yam by Filipowski. Cause both Took two yes. dribbles but
1: exactly those are the only two (laughs) and and hand in hand with that assist rate was i thought especially in the first half we held on to the ball beautifully we valued the basketball which is something i have talked about a lot that this duke team has struggled with lately we only had three first half turnovers and all of this led to to, like i keep on saying just great shot selection and i want to tip the cat to jeremy roach and caleb foster combined to go seven of eleven on three pointers and i swear like every three pointer they took was like wide open, wide a, open. You know, re, again, result of those hockey passes or those passes out of the post and things like that. Um, there was a play in the first half where the, or uh, maybe it was the second. I got Mark Mitchell got the ball. It was in the second half. Mark Mitchell got the ball in the post, and it was one of those plays where ordinarily you would think he would take it up with like a eighty percent chance of scoring a two, but you know the D was collapsing around him, and you could tell his balance wasn't quite right, and he relocated the ball to Caleb Foster for a. I mean, to say it was wide open, like. There was no one within stadium distance of Caleb Foster, and he nailed that three-pointer. Um Math tells me three points are worth more than two. This Duke team did a great job of identifying the moments when the threes were there and were available and just capitalized
0: again and again and again. Okay, Jason, I'm ready to talk about Jeremy McCain now. Um Jerry McCain, first of all, uh Jerry McCain, yeah, I, I thought – Again, he's coming off the thirty-five point game, and you're like, okay, no one's going to be able to sustain that sort of uh, three-point, uh, uh, you know, prolificness, right? He he comes out and literally like what a minute into the game, he hits the logo three, and I was yep. like, oh, we're, are we back? Okay, we're doing this again. <laughs> we're then, doing this again. Yep. <laughs> and then he, you know, he came back, and then he had like another like dish in the lane, and he kind of scooped and scored in the lane, and you're like, okay, he's doing it all. Like we we have a Jeremy Cain again, and. Jason, he only ended with seven points, right? The seven points were big because it was that logo three. It was the lay in right after that. And then the yam, right? We're going to talk about the yam. I mean, coming down the lane, that's the, by the way, that's play of the game. I'm not even waiting for the after. Yeah. Break. That's play of the game. We're <laughs> <You're> um, done. We're <laughs> done. So that play, I think what was so, first of all, it was shocking. Like, it's not that I didn't know he could dunk. But I didn't think he was gonna take it to the hole with such aggression. Donald, because Donald, I I fell out of my seat. I'm not kidding. You. I yelled. I yelled I was- in my apartment. It, <laughs> in, it's loud up in here. I was I, sitting
1: it- on my couch, and when he did that, I like my body started vibrating, and I fell on the floor. It was
0: right insane. You you know how you know how bad you know how like, when I say bad meaning bad, bad meaning good. You know how bad a <laughs> yeah. play that was. Coach L called the timeout. I don't think the ball hit the floor. Like he yammed it, and <laughs> it like, was just like timeout on the floor. <laughs> like he didn't have a chance to celebrate. He didn't have a chance to like you know flex or anything like that because they are like they're already going to their bench. And that was a play where he again grabbed the ball, kind of like just at half court on the wing, and then just did a little shimmy move, a very quick dribble, and all of a sudden he just saw a lane and saw two guys underneath the basket. He said, "Both of you are going down." and Poster time, I, baby. I, I love I love when guys take the elevator and drop people off on the way. It's very nice of him to do that. But this time he didn't even wait for the like they he didn't wait for the elevator to get down to the bottom floor. He just said, you know what? I'm going to the top and y'all just gonna have to wait for this elevator to come back down to you. Yammed it on it, which is incredible. But Jason, again, he didn't shoot the ball as well as he did against Florida State. Who, who who's going to, right? The rest of the year. Right. It'd be great if everyone could score 35 a game. But he again five rebounds, one assist. He was all over the floor. He was active on defense. He was energetic and even again, he probably had four or five more assists in his bag because he had the hockey assists uh with the ball moving around. I think the ball movement was really on offense why all these people were able to, you know, get their get get in their bag and why this felt like such a fun game because when they're passing the ball as well as they were tonight, everybody eats. It's clear we have four guys at double figures, including Tyrese, who is coming off the bench. And the one guy who's really not getting his 10 points, again, Jeremy Cain affected the game in other ways. So he's, he's super active. So I'm really like super, super proud of how this team overall played. Again, the best effort on both ends of the floor this year. It starts with the hustle. It ends with everything else. But at the end of the day, this is the team. And they said this during the game, Jason, and I know you heard it from uh, Dan Shulman and, and Jay Billis. They said this is the team that people were talking about was the number two team in the country. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Look, I got two other really little things I want to do before we take a break and then discuss the bad. And I, I have a feeling uh, I, I can't see the timer on this episode, but I bet there's <laughs> like maybe less than 10 minutes left. because We're not going to have a long time discussing the bad. <laughs> but two other things I want to mention. First one is, hey, congrats to Neil Begovich who got his first points in a Duke uniform in this game. Uh, Two look, free I throws. Had to, yeah. Had to be a special moment for him. I mean, that's a big – and did it in an ACC game. Great for him. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, I got a text from someone who's close to the team who was at this game who said at the start of the game, he said, this is the lamest crowd he's ever seen in a Duke game, and he's attended a pretty good number of Duke games. He said, after a little bit, the Miami crowd filled in. Look, I, I think we know that Miami's kind of a late-arriving kind of – yeah. He said they filled in you know, a few minutes into the game. But by then, the wind was out of their sails, Duke was in the lead, and the crowd never even began to impact the game. And I understand playing, playing at home, playing a home game for a team, part of it is you know the floor a little bit better, you know the rims, all that, you feel more comfortable. That's part of your advantage. But part of your advantage is the crowd. And Miami never got that crowd advantage tonight.
0: Yeah, it, like I said, it's been... A very frustrating year for the Miami Hurricanes in a lot of different ways. He, I mean, you could even tell on the the broadcast they kept showing. Uh, uh, Coach Laranaga, and Laranaga just had this defeated look on his face most of the game, and that's not that's not something that he's normally doing, right? He's normally very interjected, very in the involved in in the coaching of the game, and he's one. He's not one of those coaches that just sits there and watches things happen. But tonight, all he could do was watch. Jason, the final thing I have on the good. You mentioned Neil Begovich getting his, you know, going to the line and making his two free throws. I, you, we, we failed to uh, point out the fact that the reason why he was able to get to the line and make those two free throws is because Spencer Hubbard put some defender on absolute ice skates. That was awesome. Cross him up. Cross him up. Had, you know, basically it was all Duke fans left at that point. Had everybody in the gym go, just going, ooh. And then he, Instead of shooting the ball, he kind of laid it off to Neil Begovich, who was able to try and go up for the for, for the layup and got fouled. But hey, the the fact is, everyone in the gym was asking Spencer Hubbard to shoot, and in that moment, he he thought about, hey, let me just go ahead and maybe get on a like honorable mention Sports Center thing by post by uh, by putting some dude on ice skates. But hey, this is why it's fun. You want those guys who have been practicing all year long with this team to get in and, and get in their bag too and have the opportunity to get points. It's, it's why it's a stat game. It's not because we're making fun of the of the walk-ons. It's because we actively want to see them score points and be a part of these games. So hats off to Spencer Hubbard and Neil Begovich. I'm glad they were able to get in the game and also able to provide us with, you know, a one quality moment uh, a piece in their, you know, less than a minute that they were on the floor. Jason, I think we're going to wrap this up for the good. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. There's not much to talk about, but we'll talk about some of the things we need to improve right after this. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup
1: is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar.
1: That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, co-workers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want.
0: So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. All right, Jason, we are back, and let's talk about a couple of things that I think – Everything. I felt like everything went well. We're, we're, I, I honestly think we're going to be nitpicking here uh, at this. So I'm going to lead with this. The one thing that we, we talked about that we did very well was rebounding. I think the only thing in that category that we didn't do well is Miami got 16 offensive rebounds. That's a lot. And, and that's something where you, obviously you're you're not you're not wanting someone to get double digit offensive rebounds. You're hoping that's in the single digits. I don't think that changes how we played. I don't think it changes how we rebounded, but it is something where, you know, when you look at that stat, you want that to be a little bit lower. Uh, yeah, dude, you still, like I only had like two or three things. You just stole one of them. What are
1: you doing to yeah. Me here? <laughs> we, we, yeah, the we offensive notes, Jason. Uh, yeah, look, uh, first of all, like good on Miami. You know, they, they they did not give up. This wasn't a game where Miami mm-hmm. had no heart or anything like that. They were working very hard and the, and it and it showed in their offensive rebounding and and props to them for that. My other stuff that I have in the the bad, you already mentioned Jared McCain. After he hit that logo three, he didn't hit any of the other five three-pointers he attempted in this game. I'm kind of reaching here, man. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I'm reaching, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, So uh, Duke went late in the shot clock several times in the first half. And we kind of just counted on Jeremy Roach or Jared McCain to create with not a lot of time left. And those were kind of ugly possessions. Dude, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. I'm trying. I'm
0: trying. I, I will say, I will say, Jason. One thing that I think, again, I thought he played super well, except for this one category. I think, as you mentioned, Sean Stewart is is this close, yeah, to really figuring it out. I think the one thing is we need to figure out how to keep him in the game, and by that I mean foul trouble. Right? He has, and the thing about it in this game, and and, and again, I under I understand is completely frustrating. He had a couple of fouls in the first half maybe a couple minutes after he came on and he had to be subbed off and you could tell that he was dejected about that. Like he, yeah. he was, he had like you mentioned had his hand on his head, uh, on, on his head. Everyone was kind of giving him encouragement on the bench. He sat right next to the coaches after that and was able to, you know, kind of calm down and, and but you could tell that he wants to be in the game. He knows what he needs to do. And those two quick files took him out of it. And again, it's it's something where we've seen that in, in a lot of these games where, Again, he looks very active. He looks like he's about to go off, and then all of a sudden he has to sit because of foul trouble. That's the one thing that's left that he needs to figure out is to figure out how to play within control, which I thought he, again he did for most of the game that he was in. It was just, you know, a couple of quick moments will sit you back on the bench because you're in foul trouble. You end up with four fouls. He didn't file out of the game. But we the well, hope. The four is fouls that... in eleven minutes. I
1: mean. Yeah. yeah and the hope if is he tried that... to get to 15 minutes. I don't think he would have made it.
0: Right. And in the hope is that that part of his game finalizes itself yeah, It materializes very soon because that's the only thing left for him to be, like, just a stone-cold killer to me. Like, he he he's going to be super great. He already shows those flashes. If he can stay in the court, I think his energy and his bounce are going to be very, very useful for us down the stretch.
1: All right, so the last thing I had in the bad, and you kind of alluded to it uh, accidentally, is the fouling. In the second mm-hmm. half at one point, I think it was – I think Miami had two fouls and Duke had 10. If this had been a close game, we would have been complaining about the refs again because they really let Miami get away with whoever Miami wanted. I think right up until the moment where, where uh, Norchad O'Meara committed a flagrant foul. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of these games where you you, you don't want to see Duke committing five times as many fouls as the opposition. That's, that's problematic, but look, that's man, that's like all I got in the in the bad. I mean, we
0: we mentioned it all. I don't, do you have anything else? No, I I think just to, just to piggyback off that, right? Like, it didn't feel like we were making cheap fouls, right? It's not. We've had some games where we're like, oh, that's a stupid foul, that's a stupid foul. Yeah, and again, even Sean Stewart when he was out, though, I don't think those fouls were him picking up cheap fouls. It was him being aggressive and you know goes up for a block and he misses. I'm like totally okay with that. Other than the fact that it takes him out of the game when he was doing so well and I wanted him to be in the game at that moment. So yeah, the fouls can come down. You know, it's 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 guys, we're grasping straws here. Like it's this was this was as clinical an effort as I've seen from Duke this season in almost every statistical category that we like to count. Except for I mean, I only, I didn't even look to plus minus, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's wild. Like I'm sure I'm sure yeah. some players that are wild, but like it, it doesn't matter. What matters is for the first time since 2005, we've gone down to Florida and we have swept both teams on the road. Very, very difficult to do for just the eighth time. I, I know we may see one of these guys in the tournament, but as of right now, we have eight, we're have 2-0 against the state of Florida, Florida State of Miami. That has only been done eight times since Miami joined the ACC. This is not something where we're, we're trying to hype up a really big game. This was a huge road game for Duke because it's a place we traditionally don't play. it's coming off of a place that we traditionally don't play. We went down and we looked great at both of those places. Keep this up. We got another big game coming up this weekend at Wake Forest. I know we, again, I, I, you know speaking to the preacher of the choir here, but we've had some games there. Where we looked terrible, uh, including last year. Um, where we look terrible in there in the game at Wake Forest. So I'm glad we were able to get this portion of the revenge tour off of our out of our minds. And we can put that behind us. we'll We'll dial in and focus because there's another one coming in just a couple of days.
1: Yeah, Donald, Duke is now six and three on the road on the season. I mean, I'm not you can look across the scope of all of college basketball. I, my bet is there's like maybe two or three teams that have a record that good in true road games this year. Maybe uh, this has been uh, it's been talked about a lot. This is the year where no one, no one is able to win on the road. And again, Duke is now six and three in road games. Uh, it, it's very, very impressive. Last thing I have before we wrap it up. I need someone who is at practice. To give me some more info about John Shire playing in practice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe, you know, Duke's got some guys who are an injured. Yeah, Christian Reeves, Jaden Shute. We were without Tyrese Proctor. Apparently we only had nine guys for a scrimmage the other day. And Shire had to lace up the sneakers and go out there and play with the guys. Oh my God. I need details. Sounded I like Jay Lucas
0: also might have uh, might have uh, at least played a possession or two. We need to get to, need to get the full lowdown on what happened there. With <laughs> if anybody's out there, DBR Podcast, Gmail.com. Yes. Let us let us know what happened that scrimmage. Also, Jason, real quick, I know you I know you didn't prompt me to do this, but I did anyway, just a quick glance at the net where it kind of breaks down all the categories from, you know, road neutral games. The only Power 5 conference school that has more than six road wins so far is Marquette. And that's a quick glance. I know that might change based on what's going on tonight, but as of right now, it's just Marquette and then us. So um, we're in good company here and Marquette is very, very good. I've seen them play live. They are very good. So yeah, this, if we this,
1: this Duke team is making a they're making a case for a high NCAA seed. Uh, they, they they, really are. I, I, I think people are starting to sit up, pay attention. Th- this this game at Wake, you know, again, Wake is like a top 20 team in, in Ken Palm at this point. This game at Wake, if we find a way, and it's going to be tough, really tough. The Duke finds a way to win that game, man, you got to start saying, this team belongs on the two-seed line.
0: I, I really believe that. Well, we, it, there's still a lot of basketball to go, as we know. Uh, We're going to take this one game at a time. But as of right now, I mean, like I said, they're talking about us as if this is the Duke team that they expected us to be when the season started. That's high praise enough, but we need to keep it going. Every game is going to get more and more difficult. But Jason, the only thing that I'm hoping for is we keep winning because it keeps putting pressure on UNC. And as again, as we get towards that last game of the year, that game is going to be absolutely ginormous. If we could keep the pressure up on all of this, Everyone's going to be watching that game because, as you mentioned, that will be just for more than just the ACC. So, Ken, Ken Pomeroy now projects his computers
1: say the Duke and UNC will both finish 16 and four in the ACC. I would much
0: prefer, I would much prefer to finish 17 and three. That'd be great. <laughs> to get that one seat in the ACC tournament, which will be right here in Washington, DC. So, everybody get your tickets, come see me uh, in a couple of weeks. But Lots of basketball before then. We will end it here on episode 598 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We will back, be back in your feeds really, really soon. We're going to preview this week game this weekend. But until then, he is Jason. I am Donald. This is now the Duke band that You're here to play us out and take us home.